Hey, Tom. Hey, man. Uh, do you remember this podcast that we do? No. No, I don't either. It has been five weeks, and I'm sure the listeners have been eagerly awaiting a follow-up. Oh, is this the intro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like it? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's really good. I thought it was quirky. It's really natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're back. Episode two of Diving Into Why. Um, I'm Joe, as you probably know, and uh, this is is my good friend Tom, as 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 usual. I say it's me, the other one. Hopefully, you are the usual co-host. Yeah, might get a permanent gig out of this. <laughs> Depends how well you behave today. Uh. So we got some things to talk about. We're going to talk about Doctor Who. We're going to talk about Star Wars. We're going to talk about other things. Uh, so I'd like to talk about Doctor Who first. And I'd like to dive into why. Do you like that? <laughs> that was you forgot about it last time, so it's good that you got it in there early. Oh, this is good. A really seamless. Really thing to on say. the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you, like most times that I am writing a script, I really have to like swerve the whole like intro <laughs> for that yeah. sentence to make sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's not an easy thing to just say naturally. Not really. You have to create the whole narrative around that. Yeah, I basically plan my videos on what would it make sense to say I'd like to dive into <laughs> Wi-Fi, which is uh, it's why I've had to really uh, slow down my upload it's schedule. It's a good ethic, really. Doctor Who, Doctor Who Flux. Yes. We are three episodes in. We've just watched the third. Yes, we it's have watched aired. the third episode, fresh, fresh in our minds. Uh, I've already forgotten half the episode. I was forgetting it as I was watching it and being reminded of things. But let's first go back to the beginning. Um, how did you feel about the first episode with uh, what, the Halloween apocalypse? Oh, yeah, that was really fun. I quite like that one. I agree. I think Good. there was a lot going on because it was the setup to a six-part story. Yeah, there's a lot to introduce because they introduced the Weeping Angels like halfway into that episode with yeah. some random character who already knew. The other characters? They're doing a lot. They've got the guy in Liverpool doing the tunnels. and Oh, yeah. Uh, who we've now seen in every episode so far, and we still know nothing. Um, <laughs> but I guess just overall, it was fun. I, I think there was a lot going on, and, and the quality of it, I guess, over time, will depend on yeah. how good the payoffs are to all that setup. Definitely. But I think as it was being set up, I was having fun. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention was uh, the Doctor herself, who in that episode I think was almost at her best because yeah. she she just seemed to, to really be comfortable in the role, Jodie Whittaker that is. She seemed to really, yeah. you know, have a good understanding of what she was doing on screen, which I don't think is always the case with her. Yeah. And uh, I think what helped that was that for a lot of it, it was just her and Yaz. I definitely think so, yeah. Because before you sort of get lost in... There's so many characters on screen all the time because it's the main crew of uh, you've got a guy from The Chase and his grandson and everyone else. And everyone has their bit in each scene. So they have to automatically give everyone less to do and less to say because there's just so many of them. But because it was just Yaz and her for most of it, it worked yeah. out pretty good. And we were, you know introduced to all of them at the same time so the the dynamic was not clear of like okay this is the doctor she's been doing yeah. this for a while these are the companions they're they're new it was almost like you know there's just four of them equally as used to it as each other pretty much yeah. um, but this one it was like there are two of them there is the doctor there is the companion they yeah. are that traditional dynamic i mean yaz um she seems more on it now since yeah uh, definitely. you know since ryan and graham left she's flying the tardis yeah. she she knows how things work and i think that's mm. fun and what we were worried about in the last episode that was the the addition of john bishop would kind of ruin that and it would just go back to yeah. the fam but i haven't felt that so far i haven't no uh, i haven't felt that he is like another graham or another ryan yeah it works out really well because when you were saying uh just before about how it, it's everyone at the same point and everyone has the same character development in the tardis when we're now at a position where the doctor has been doing it for ages yaz has got a grip she knows what she's doing and she's with it and now john bishop has no idea what's going on so it creates a new dynamic i think he's really I, well this is interesting i don't think he's great i think he's a bit crap at acting, <laughs> but I also he's, really he's just like John him. Bishop. Yeah, but... he's incredibly likable. He's charming. He's written quite well um, to just be this kind of lovable goofball <laughs> kind yeah. of guy. I feel like um, Chibnall was like, "Okay, I need to write a role for John Bishop, so I'm going to write it as as I would picture John Bishop being, just with these characters." 
yeah and i think i think it does work for the most part and uh yeah and i guess that first episode he wasn't really a companion he wasn't really part of the team no, uh, well he's I, just sat in a box for most of it yeah and almost the same goes for the the second episode he's um kind of doing his own thing in that one he doesn't quite feel like he's tagging along just yet yeah they've they keep putting him separated from the main crew i think the serialized structure of the whole thing is is really playing to chibnall's strengths as far as like Mm. um i think it gives it each character always has enough to do in each moment, I think, uh, yeah. because there's so much going on that they, they're kind of, mm. you know, they're not all forced to be in a room giving exposition to each other because there's yeah. no time. They've got to keep things moving. And uh, I think that was especially true uh, in episode two, War of the Sontarans. I think yeah. that that's my favorite episode of the three so far. Um, it's uh, just... I think everything is working as it should. <laughs> and yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the Sontarans? I really like them. I love how crap they look. <laughs> they, they look really vintage, I think. No, they look um, Yeah, They do. And they, um, they look like... I sent you a picture of it. I don't know if anyone else has seen the music video for Starlight by the Superman lovers, but there are humans in that look, look disgusting and awful. And they look like the Sontarans now. And I'm very happy about that. I um I was really worried, and I think a lot of people were, that Chibnall was going to play them completely straight and they were going to go, you know, after Strax, after Moffat's silly oh. Sontaran, they were going to be like, okay, well, the Sontarans are back and they're not funny anymore, they're serious. Yeah. It's like, these are completely, like, inherently ridiculous characters. And yeah. to not acknowledge that would be stupid. And yes. That first scene with the Sontarans in the Halloween apocalypse where they're talking and he's like, you look disgusting. And oh, yeah. the Dan Starkey one's like, well, yes, <laughs> let's not dwell on it. Great. You know, they are as silly as they need to be. And yeah. I don't think that takes away from them as villains. I think if you want to play it straight with perfect soldier characters, do it with mm. Daleks, do it with Cybermen. Um, yeah, absolutely. If you do want Sontarans, then they should be as as they were, and they the should be like, the wild card kind of thing, out of the three. He wants to uh, he wants to ride a horse. Exactly, um, that's the best part of the episode. Honestly, <laughs> I love that. Um, and we have you know we have other elements going on that it's it's quite hard to kind of stay on top of all of them. Um, how do you feel about Carvanista, the, uh, the the big dog? <laughs> He's great. He's really cool. I wasn't too fond of him when he first appeared but as they grew on and then John Bishop and his relationship sort of um, progressed from there just became really more a lot more likable and just a lot more fun yeah I I was really surprised to see that dynamic kind of be like a really nice kind of heartfelt thing especially in, in episode two when he shows up I was genuinely, I, I rarely kind of feel things at Doctor Who, and I wasn't yeah. trying, but I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> Carvanista's here to save Dan. That's lovely. Yeah, that was really exciting and hype. I compared it to Han Solo showing up to save Luke. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but you know, Chibnall, um, much like Chewbacca, who Carvanista looks like, Chibnall, yes. they were like, oh, how'd you, what, what inspired you to, to do Carvanista? He's like, oh yeah, I have a dog, and I, I like the idea <laughs> of a big dog the alien. Same- the same. the same reason why Chewbacca exists is because it's... of George Lucas's dog. So, uh, yeah, Chibnall, he, he stole the Chewbacca design and he stole the <laughs> Chewbacca origin story. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's good. And uh, I guess, what, what else is going on? There's some historical elements that I haven't really been brought out fully. I guess there was yeah. Mary Seacole last week, who it's yes. you know, another one of those kind of figures from history that Chibnall Mm. wants to shine a light on, which is something that I said in my video uh, a couple of weeks ago, is is a really good part of his era, is that he's like, okay, these are the characters that I I love from history and I think we should look at. Let's drop them in a Doctor Who story. It's really weird that a story about time travel shockingly hasn't done a lot of that. No. (laughs) The past years. Always setting seems to come before or for Russell T Davies and Moffat. It was about setting it like in a specific time period rather than yeah. around a specific person. Whereas yeah. this, um, I mean, maybe it was the case of, you know, wanting them to be in the Crimea war and mm-hmm. okay, Mary Seacole can be there. But uh, either way, I think it was just nice to have her there. The actress was really good. She was great. Yeah. It just really worked. 
it made me Google her. Um, oh, which, good, yeah. Because I did not know <laughs> that much about her beforehand. Um, what, what else is going on? Weeping Angels so far, I think, have been really naff. Um, I mean, yeah, they've just been there to be for everyone to go on Twitter. Look, it's the Weeping Angels, and then get tweets, and then just end. And episode it. episode four is going to be the Weeping Angel episode, I think. So um, it, it seems like it's going that way. Yeah, I don't see it. how they could. <laughs> leave off how they did and they'd be like okay no so now we're gonna go over to the cybermen and see what they're doing a little bit um so hopefully there is some kind of style in how that episode is is brought to life because what it feels so and i don't want to dismiss all doctor who fan films in fact i was in one quite recently i i voiced <laughs> you were K-9, K-9, weren't you? Um, <laughs> in uh joe streets uh, echoes end um but I, I don't want to diss fan films but at the same time the the kind of presentation of the weeping angels in episode one and i don't know if they, they were in episode two but in in this uh, this week's as well um yes. it's just so flat it's so uh, I know that maybe at some point they used like a just a JPEG from 2010 of like one of the angels oh, instead yeah, of an yeah. actual like is. model or, or person yeah. in a costume, and you can kind of tell it, it doesn't look great. And I really hope that when they are the focus, it is done as stylishly and as deliberately. They're not just editing the same JPEG constantly to make yeah, it work. Yeah, the, the problem with uh, the we'll speak a bit more about today's episode um, because there's a lot going on there, but. Mm. Um, in every time the angel showed up and got closer, it didn't really change position. It was still the. It was uh, the same thing, yeah. Just closer and. I bigger. don't know if that was the that was the JPEG just being enlarged yeah, uh, on screen. So I guess like the first week was a lot of setup, quite fun setup. I liked the vibes. Yeah. I liked Jody. I liked Yaz. Dan was fun. Second episode, I just think a really great all round Doctor Who episode about yeah, Santarans and so about too. the Flux. I think Swarm was really good. Do you know Swarm and, and, and his sister, Azure? Yeah, they're quite fun. I think he is really good. He He's, yeah, the actor that's doing him, he is fantastic. Doing a really good job. It's a part that could so easily be just like melodramatic Doctor Who villain, like pantomime. I mean, it could so just easily be the master. Yeah, it could know? be that. So we yeah. just play it as the master, but he's doing something that makes it feel not very mastery. It's like simultaneously really intense, but also really understated in a way yeah. that it, it's not like what Roger Delgado did when he was the master, but it, it's kind of mm. a similar kind of calculated performance. Yeah. Um, I think it could very easily just fall into like being kind of the Joker, kind of really <laughs> over the top. And unfortunately, yeah. I think his sister, who has not done a huge amount yet, in the small amount she has done, does feel like that. It feels like all the kind of intensity of Swarm, but with none of the none of the nuance. It's just like, yeah. I'm a crazy lady. I'm <laughs> I'm Bellatrix <laughs> Lestrange. I'm literally. Uh, yeah. That's that's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's. Um, but I, I think Swarm is definitely Chibnall's most memorable villain so far. I definitely think so. More than uh, Tim Shaw. I think there are two actors playing him because he, you know, he kind of regenerates at the start. He does, yeah. Because there's two parts in the most recent episode in the past and yes. in the present where he looks very different as I well. I think when it's the, the previous design, it is a different actor as well. And oh, okay. uh, they're both very good. Um, it, I think it, he was credited as Old Swarm. Oh, despite being younger. Yeah. <laughs> well, not <laughs> in the not in the first episode when he was an old version of young swarm and then he became <laughs> old <laughs> then he <laughs> you're right he is younger but well maybe maybe i'm wrong no i think <laughs> all right the young swarm is credited as old swarm you are right okay <laughs> um I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Okay, so episode three, Once, Comma, Upon Time, the first Doctor Who story to feature a comma in the title. Is that? Yes, it is. Oh. Um, wait, is it? Surely not. Does the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe not have commas? It has to have a <laughs> comma, right? It has to have two. Um, so something with the... Um, uh, on the planet time, you've got the... What are they called? The They're like the, the people in the circle. Oh, yeah, the... Um... The people, the Morai, the Mori, Morai, the, the, the Morai. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they, I thought they were gonna be like origin story for the Weeping Angels at the start when they first appeared. Because and I was like, they, oh. they, they don't move or something, and they're all like, they're all looking at each other and they don't blink, and it really reminded me of when how they stopped the angels in their first in, appearance. In blink, yeah, yeah. Um, also, she says, or someone says, they're quantum locked. Maybe it's Vinda, and that is exactly what the Weeping Angels are. Like they can't. Yeah. Well, and but 
I thought that's what they were going for, but like in the way that they were used in today's episode, yeah, it really goes in your exact opposite yeah. direction. I don't know. Maybe he will pull that out in the, in the final episode and be like, <laughs> "Also, do you remember those characters <laughs> from the third episode? They are weeping angels." <laughs> Elaborate on that. No. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Yeah. So today's episode, there are there's so much going on. It was you know they I split mean, up immediately. Yeah to what four different time stream things um and they're all jumping back and forth between constant different times and there's also vinda's wife that's or, or oh yeah, yeah lover um got an emoji bot i think i was most invested in that <laughs> whenever that I was, was on screen i kind of sat down i was like oh great this part this I is was the bit too. that i care about because they it was weird with the opening because they specifically opened it they had a title card for it and everything yeah, and then it, it you're, story, you yeah. go right into the action with that. And then it cuts to uh, what the Doctor's doing and everything else. What the Doctor um, doing? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I had to put that in there. But the, um, so she, as it started, I was like, hmm, so we're doing another storyline here now that's going to have to converge at some point. Uh, but as soon as it went away, I was like, well, I just want to go back there now. I think with more episodes, they could have done a whole episode on her. But oh, definitely. I wouldn't have minded a whole episode on her, to be honest. Just completely separate it yeah. from the Doctor and everyone else. Just have that a Mission cool. to the Unknown kind of episode. That's a classic Who episode where they, uh, the Doctor's not even in it. It's just uh, mm. setting up for a story that he will later be on. Yeah, I think that would have been really cool. But, you know, there was other stuff going on. So the Doctor... <laughs> This was a bit of a double-edged sword for me because you know I love Joe Martin. Your favourite Doctor, yeah. Um, to then be shown a lovely Joe Martin Doctor adventure from the past. However, yeah. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker is playing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they've got Joe Martin on a green screen occasionally phasing in and out that yeah. looks awful. It, it, does does. Not, it never looks like she is there. And yeah. uh, she never does much. She always has like two words. Yeah, it is. Like every other word they phase between. And it's it's nothing. It's it's a real waste of her, I think. It and is. also, I feel like, and it may be she's not as great an actor as I hoped her up to be, but it, it felt like she was given these lines without any context. So it was just kind of her saying the words. And then Jodie I mean, is actually monologuing. And, yeah. you know, it, she's in the flow of it. And, you know, for the first time ever, Jodie seems better than Joe Martin in the in the story. Um, but I was I was happy to see her. I was I was excited. To be fair, actually, when um, Jodie was acting as Joe Martin, I thought that was some of the best Jodie has been in the show, I which is agree. really weird. <laughs> when she's playing a different Doctor, she's yeah. oh, she's good. She's, yeah, <laughs> she's better than she normally is. I was thinking the whole time when she wasn't doing the Joe Martin impression, when she was kind of popping through, like, "Hey, I'm yeah. I'm here. I'm trying to find you." Um, I thought that was so crap. It was. A bit. I think it's like that's that's the thirteenth Doctor at her worst because she was also just giving really nonsensical. Um, like monologues to uh, Dan and whatever yeah. and it just didn't help them it didn't push them in any direction it uh, was just there and then it wasn't and then they just continued as if nothing had happened anyway there was another bit of funny Jodie facing the wrong way ADR where she goes from being in the time storm to being back on uh, back on time yeah <laughs> um, and um Clearly, they weren't as confident in the transition as they originally were because it cuts to her back and she's like, oh, I'm being pulled back. I'm going back to the temple now. It's like, all right, you weren't just going to let us fill in the blanks. Well, yeah, they had to um, narrate it almost every time it was happening. So we get what's going on. I did like that bit from her at the start when she was kind of figuring out in that split second how to yeah. how to get out of the, the thing. I thought that was strong. I was yeah, kind of a bit down on Jodie's performance. And then at the end, when she was getting really desperate to go back and find out more about yeah. her past, I was like, this is good. This is it's good stuff. Good. And it's because of this good stuff that I do not care about this whole timeless child nonsense. I actually, 100%. if it helps Jodie be a good doctor, which it actually currently is, mm. then fine. It's not going to have any lasting consequences. Russell T. Davies is not going to continue off where Chibnall uh, left it with the timeless Definitely child. Definitely not. Really, just Chibnall can knock himself out with it, for all I really, care. Yeah. Like, he can... He can tell these stories he wants to tell. I love the fact that she's got this little crew of division agents that she worked with in the past, and one of them is Carvanista. Yeah. Um, I know that's why she was chasing Carvanista, but it's just quite hard to wrap my head around that, you know, Joe Martin's doctor was hanging out with Carvanista the dog. That's a big finish box set I'm waiting to see. I know. I wanted them to just at least be on screen together at any one time, but they just weren't. I, uh, I wonder who the other two are and if we know them. Yeah, I was wondering to begin with, who are these people? But then I thought, 
because um, Dan was Calvinista. But then I thought, well, does it even matter who the other two are? No. Because the re- the whole point is making them um, Mandip and... Yeah. I can't even remember their uh, actual characters' names. Yaz Jeez. and Dan. No, Yaz, Yaz and Dan. Yaz and Vinda. <laughs> uh. um, so, oh, yeah. So um, Yaz and Vinda as the other two characters because we wouldn't get anything out of them being different actors in those roles. I was wondering if Yaz was maybe going to be, what was her name? Do you remember from Fugitive of the Jadoon? There was uh, that woman chasing uh, Joe Martin's doctor. Um, Oh, yeah. Gat, Um, Wasn't she a Time Lord or something? Yeah, yeah, she worked with the Division. I think she worked with the Doctor until she kind of ran off. I was I was wondering if if Yaz would become Gat because they kind of looked similar, um, just in in with the hair. Yeah, that that didn't happen. Maybe it will. I don't know if anyone in the audience will go. Oh, she's Gat. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know who, who is excited for the return of Gat, but <laughs> I mean it's all nonsense. Like the flux, it's not. It's just an excuse to throw the Doctor and the companions into different situations. Oh, absolutely. But it's it's a fun fun bit of nonsense, really. It is. And it's good. It, it's nice having everything feel connected. Even though sometimes it's quite loose, like, you know, the, the Sontaran stuff last week wasn't huge. You know, that could have been a, a separate episode that didn't have anything to do with the flux, that it was just given a few fluxy details yeah. along the way. Yeah, I'm really interested still to see how it unfolds. I think maybe episode three today was the weakest. I, I wasn't, I didn't love the kind of jumping around with Dan's past and Yaz's past yeah. and 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 then the doctor kind of popping in on a green screen to be like hey let's let's, let's yeah. keep going let's keep doing this um i will say something is going on with yaz because her time stream is broken <laughs> and she was yeah. playing video games in someone else's house i I'd, i'm interested to see where that goes i wonder i wonder if yeah. she'll be sent back in time by a weeping angel or yeah you know. baby that'll be fun oh there was also that woman that when the doctor <laughs> was Maybe she went into some kind of in-between place when she was trying to go back in time, and there was an old woman who was like, "Don't, oh don't yeah, be doing time travel, Doctor Who." Mm. There is a lot going on, and I feel like before every next new episode, I will have to rewatch the previous three. Yeah, just because of how much is happening, I'm just immediately forgetting <laughs> every detail. Uh, but it was um, no, I I think I still enjoyable. I still had fun with it. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's one of the things I was just mainly hoping for was just to enjoy what mm. we got, regardless of the nonsense, regardless of of the overall quality. And I'm yeah. not sure I will be rewatching Flux over and over as much as I like to revisit Moffat episodes or sure. even Russell T Davies episodes. But for now, while it's on, I am enjoying it. And yeah. if it continues along this kind of overall positive path and if Jodie Whittaker keeps showing these great moments then she might go out with a bang she might actually finish on a high note which would be really nice for her yeah and same with uh, Mandip Gill who is surprisingly um one of the longest running companions in the show's history now really yes well she's this is her third series and only uh, okay only Clara in the in New That's Who true. has has survived that long um uh. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, Amy and Rory were in Seven Part One um, as their third series. Yeah, they had two and a half series. So, as, and also, like as far as like years since being, oh, it, you know, because thing, it's, it's, they've just not been doing it every year. So it's yeah. been. So she's been like the resident companion since 2018, and will be until 2022. So yeah. that's uh, you know, good for her. Well, yeah, um, but it would be nice for people to actually like Yaz by the end of it because she's a bit of a fandom punching bag is she yeah no people people I mean I think in series 11 she was the weak link you know Jodie was the doctor as as kind of meh as a lot of people found her she was the doctor Ryan and Graham had their kind of grandfather grandson dynamic of you know learning to accept and love one another with the grief of losing grace and and Yaz was there (laughs) and uh, so the three companions there was very little to distinguish all of them the only thing you could point to was the relationship between Ryan and Graham (laughs) and Yaz wasn't part of that at all and Mm. uh, so I think she became the kind of (laughs) Yaz has nothing to do Yaz has nothing to do I think in series 11 or series 12 it was Ryan and Graham who had nothing to do and I I started to like Yaz a bit more yeah I always think Mandip was probably the strongest um act like actor for the companions roles yeah as a whole i think mandip was probably my favorite yeah. uh, 
companion. I think in series 12, she was she was probably mine. I think even Bradley Walsh bringing the kind of charm to Graham didn't yeah. save the fact that Graham had nothing to do um, <laughs> and really should have left in resolution. Uh, so yeah. I'm glad now that Mandip is, you know, Yaz has the, the attention that she probably should have had since series 12. Yeah, I, don't, I definitely think so. It would be nice to have people stop being so mean. Not that, you know, it's not in a kind of toxic positivity way, because if I you mean, don't yeah. like Yaz, you don't like Yaz. But at the same yeah. time, um, you know, I do think sometimes it's unfairly overly hateful towards, towards Yeah, them. I'd like to point out to just have a moment to reflect on last time we did this we had nothing to talk about in ways of <laughs> Doctor Who this had to stretch out as much as possible and now we've had uh, three episodes of the new series and it's just gone so quickly it just feels great it's uh it is really strange to uh to kind of cast my mind back to then and you know we were speculating with yeah. absolutely nothing no to base it on yeah, yeah. and I've, from what I've seen of like general public response to this new series, a lot of people are saying like, uh, oh, I'm not a big Chibnall fan, but I'm actually quite enjoying Flux. Oh, really? That's good. Obviously, there's still a lot of Chibnall bad because there will always be. Of but course. I think um, overall people seem to be enjoying it. I don't think the ratings have been wonderful, but you know, I, I think it's it's unlikely that on his third series and on Jody's third series, they're going to win back the entire public, you know. No, no, definitely not. Maybe that's why he feels confident in just being able to be really weird with it. This yeah, just do whatever. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be like, hmm, I might turn on the new Doctor Who. And then yeah. the episode three. Because if people didn't like <laughs> the last two series, there's no shot they're going to turn on no. this series and then be like, no, I will give it one last shot. It's also not an easy one to jump on halfway through as far as the series goes. Yeah, it's like, exactly, imagine yeah. today's episode being your only... Just have a one-shot one. episode. Be like, yeah, that'll, that'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy that it's for Doctor an Who, hour. You know, yeah. it's just a monster of the week. It's like, yeah, oh, it's <laughs> oh. like, what the fuck is actually going on? There's two swarms. There's <laughs> John Bishop. <laughs> Jody looks in the mirror and she's Joe Martin. What's going on? <laughs> she's someone else. I didn't watch that episode. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I remember I was watching series twelve with my mum, and then she kind of like. Uh, tuned out maybe episode four right yeah. and episode five is when they introduced the fugitive doctor and uh, so she never <laughs> she never watched that and she watched like a children in need thing that year and it was all the doctors saying thank you to NHS <laughs> workers and alongside them was joe martin um, <laughs> who is, has every right to be there but for 100%. my mom who was watching doctor who until quite recently <laughs> to suddenly have this this black woman who she thought would have been you know she was like this this I don't remember the news of this person being cast as... <laughs> Who thought that would have been, like, big news? Who hadn't heard a thing? Uh, which is partially the problem with her being a kind of throwaway supporting character. Uh, yeah. I guess my hopes going forward is that she is brought into the story a bit more, maybe for a special, not as yeah. the only Doctor, but maybe alongside Jodie. We could do a big multi-Doctor special and have her in it. Even just a kind of two-Doctor special as part yeah. of the Timeless Children narrative, I think would be good. I, I would hate for like her only appearances to be the reveal episode, yeah. a vision in the Timeless Child episode, and a kind of green screen insert into another story here. Uh, yeah. I think that would be a real... That would be a shame. Because before um, this episode, was it confirmed that Joe Martin was a previous Doctor? No, it we wasn't. still not know? We, we still actually didn't know. She, um, uh, I think the Doctor kind of asks her when she's the vision in the Matrix. She's like, yeah. uh, kind of, oh, were you a previous were you a previous version of me? Did they wipe your memory, you know? And she's like, oh, I can't give you those answers. Um, uh, and yeah, so I guess it was an assumption that she was a pre-Hartnell Doctor, but now this is pretty much confirmation. Confirmed that it yeah. is. I know they were kind of, I was thinking of workarounds at like, well, she never actually says it. Maybe yeah. she was just helping the Doctor along the way. But um, yeah. that was when I thought Chibnall was going to take over and, and she could be 14. But oh, yeah. now that she is probably not going to be the 14th Doctor, no. I just want to see as much of her as possible while Chibnall's still around. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't have high hopes for that, to be honest. Um, I think that's all I have to say about Doki Who. <laughs> um <laughs> 
<laughs> can we move on to the fan favorite section of the podcast oh uh, yes the most famous point the star wars section of the podcast yes. once we're like a really successful podcast with like millions of episodes and fans and subscribers. We'll have merch saying we're going to have merch there'll be a little intro song <laughs> that uh, someone will make yeah, have a little uh, jingle yeah the little star wars section of the podcast <laughs> intro <laughs> oh it rolls off the tongue um so star wars <laughs> it's been a pretty empty month since last time with visions um yeah. which i guess kind of reveals that like if visions was still coming out weekly i don't think it would have ended yet and maybe that would have been a good idea because yeah. it could it have kept us going. It yeah. closes the gap between Boba Fett. Yeah, because Boba Fett is like end of December. And yeah. we've still got kind of, we've had this last five weeks of nothing really. And we've got another, however many weeks, another month and a bit, another month and a week maybe. Um, yeah. So it's it's a bit you know, a bit barren to be a Star Wars fan. What a shame, you know, usually, you know, <laughs> five years ago to have like a month where there's not much Star Wars, I don't think that would have been a big deal. But, but to be, hmm, we haven't had Star Wars since about six weeks ago when they released nine <laughs> short films. <laughs> it's quite entitled. It's but, become really pretentious. Yeah, it's like, we're really demanding now. It's like, um, excuse me, Kathleen Kennedy. Last year we had three Star Warses to watch in the in the month. No, um, what have we had? We had the Boba Fett trailer. Did you watch it? I did watch that trailer. There's nothing to talk about, is there? Not really. It seems I'm quite excited for it. It seems quite chill for. Um, it's going to be a shorter series, isn't it? Like Kenobi, relatively limited run. I don't know if they've said how many episodes. I feel like they said it was going to be nine, but I'm not sure. Okay, well then. That, that sounds fine. I saw a tweet that was like, I'm assuming that what we've actually seen in the trailer is only from the first two episodes. And I'm like, I actually really, really hope that's true because it looks like there's nothing else to offer. And I think that's quite wishful thinking to be like, it won't yeah. all be muddy Tatooine uh, <laughs> crime lord stuff. It's like, oh, please don't be. Um, it, it looks like The Mandalorian, to be honest. It looks like The Mandalorian without Din, which yeah. is to say... The Mandalorian season two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is really accurate, actually. But I think it will be fun. I think think it doesn't seem to be offering a huge amount new. And... Uh, but it is kind of saved by the fact that Tamara Morrison is fantastic and He's effortlessly cool in this role. I'm glad that it really looks like um, old Boba is getting a character. Yes, that's nice, isn't it? Which is really cool. <laughs> he has a personality and things to do. Yeah. I, I imagine there will be flashbacks. Um, I know there was speculation that the reason he had a, that paint job on his uh, armour was to differentiate for the audience between kind of flashbacks to Boba and model oh, day Boba, okay, yeah. um, which I, I think would be, would be pretty cool and you know maybe seeing maybe him make friendships and then or friendships or connections <laughs> I don't know how many friends Boba Fett has um, but uh, <laughs> Ming-Na Wen is, is back Fennec I think that's a really great call is to, is to pair mm. those two together 100% she's fantastic she was one of the highlights of uh, Boba Fett um, for me and also um, Bad Batch she was, really she good was in Bad Batch yeah. Maybe they're kicking themselves in over at the Mandalorian studios. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's the same creative team, uh, but um, <laughs> I reckon they're like, oh, why did we send Fennec over to Boba's show? We've also just <laughs> fired our girl. Um, oh, yeah. I think Fennec really could have been like the Cara Dune of Mando going forward. Obviously, she's, she's different, but like, I, you know, it would have been nice to have that. And, Fill that yeah, role a little bit. Um, and oh, I was going to say, like, put someone like Aura Singh with Boba, but um, did Beckett kill Aura Singh? Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that is true. We just haven't seen it yet. I was thinking when Solo came out, maybe we would get a comic or something shortly after, or yeah. within like six months or something, to be like, oh, this is the story you've wanted to be reading because you saw Solo, so this sort of leads on from that. Uh, but no, we still haven't heard a single thing. We haven't even seen Tobias since Solo, have we? Or maybe just they just kind of buried all Solo stuff. Well, um, they're doing a Maul um, series, aren't they? This was what I was going to bring up. This was literally my next point, was that there were kind of rumblings and rumours going on, like pre-Disney Plus Day, that the, the next animated series was going to be about Darth Maul and Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Um, which I think... I'm just kind of frustrated because 
to me, like the most interesting stuff going on there is with Kira, is kind of yeah. post solo stuff. It's after all of that, yeah. And now they're dealing with like even further post solo stuff with uh, with her in in the comics, which yes. I've not actually got to yet. But I know I've she's in like, more of the bounty hunters. But that's almost kind of worrying because well, they've um, they've said all of like the what the head of all of the screenshots and stuff that I've seen is she is going toe to toe with Darth Vader constantly yeah. for the past like five issues fighting him uh, like physically fighting him uh, and she's got like a new outfit in every single one she's the new padme she is classic <laughs> padme style when they use characters like this in publishing um, and this is something that star wars explains talked about it's like it, it tends to mean that they're not going to do anything with them on screen or at least there are yeah. no plans because this was like something they did with aura singh in between phantom menace and attack of the clones they were yeah. like okay here's a character that people have responded to uh, that we will not actually do anything with in films. Go off and make your comics, make your books, do all that. Yeah. And I think the same was with with Phasma in between seven and eight. Yeah. You could flesh out that character and do all kinds of backstory with her because it wasn't going to contradict anything that was yeah. that Ryan was going to do. And now I, I worry that Kira being involved in all this is almost like confirmation that like uh, Amelia Clark is not kind of coming back to do that anytime soon. Uh, yeah, that makes me really sad. Yeah, I think. And now with with like a, a, a show all about Crimson Dawn in the works, and it's not about her; it's about the pre, uh, yeah, the pre Kira years. It's a bit of a because even because uh, there's a time skip at the beginning of Solo, isn't there? So she had been with Crimson Dawn for a little bit, yeah, and then assuming she'd because Maul trusts her by when she talks to him after yeah. she's killed Dryden, so they could do a ton of stuff in there of her doing assassin work and all of that kind of thing yeah. um and that would be quite cool but um I, seeing I her in charge of crimson dawn would have been really cool to see in a show or something but yeah. they're just not going to go in that direction which is quite sad i think it's a real i think solo is a good film that happened at the wrong time and I definitely think so, maybe yeah. shouldn't have been a film i think like i was gonna say like if it had come out like a couple of years later it would have been worked as a disney plus show Mm. But I, I kind of think that because of its failure, that's the reason we're getting so many Disney Plus yeah. shows of that thing. And so I feel like it had to exist for like Star Wars to realize this. Yeah. But at the same time, it does kind of it ruins that. And I mean, Alden's getting older, and he's going to be Harrison Ford age that's soon. True. Um, but it would be nice if he could play Han again. And yeah, I would same with, love for same Donald, Donald Glover and Alden to come back and be those characters again because they were fantastic in the film also i really miss chewbacca i think i, I took for granted that we were just seeing him all the time <laughs> because for years he was just on the screens yeah, all the time just there and like in the background eunice uh as 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 chewbacca i was like oh he's just so lovely and you know he was doing press events all the time in for both you know the, the sequel trilogy for and for everything. solo yeah he was all over and now place. it's like Oh, where, where's Eunice gone? You know, yeah. I think more so than the other ones. I think feel like Chewbacca is just like a pretty constant in Star Wars. That I mean, you know, again, it's only been two years since <laughs> he was in Rise of Skywalker, but I'm, you know, I'm getting demanding again. I'm getting yeah. entitled. I hope they bring Eunice back. Not maybe not as if he's not going to be Chewbacca again. I hope he does be Chewbacca again. But even just as anyone, come back as like one of Zeb's species or something. Be super cool. I was uh, I, I saw like a thread of like fan castings for High Republic characters. Uh, and, oh, uh, um, I saw Buriaga. someone say that he would be Buriaga. So I was like, that'd I be lovely. Love <laughs> yeah, just have him be a Wookiee all through the decades. So a little bit on that Maul series. It basically there were rumors that it was going to be kind of announced and it was being worked on, and there was a Disney Plus Day celebration coming up, and yeah. it looked like everything was pointing to like an announcement of sorts, uh, or if not that. We would get more stuff about the other upcoming projects that we're getting like next year. Yeah. And Star Wars tweeted out in like September, add Disney Plus Day to your calendar. You won't regret it. So people were thinking like oh, they're gonna announce batch season two, Andor, we're gonna see some more of Andor. We're gonna get like a, a an Obi-Wan like full trailer. Uh we're gonna yeah. look at more Boba Fett stuff. And um what we got was the Boba Fett documentary. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, that they put on Disney Plus. And an Obi-Wan 
real thing that kind of sums up what they're doing yeah. that is actually from December 2020. They showed it to investors on Investor Day oh, really? last year. And it leaked a couple of days before Disney Plus Day anyway. So everyone talked about it oh, pre-Disney Plus Day. So Disney Plus Day rolls along. There's nothing new except no. the Boba Fett documentary, which is nothing. Crap, yeah. um, it is. I, I watched it in between uh, just doing nothing on Friday and just checking Twitter. It just, it, maybe it was the National Geographic bit. I was like, okay, I, I can afford to, uh, <laughs> to do that. I mean, maybe it's because I'm such a good Star Wars fan. No, maybe it's because like I've sunk my teeth into so much behind the scenes stuff, but it was yeah. all stuff that I'd seen before. Like they got George Lucas. They interviewed George Lucas like newly. Like, really? Yeah, he's, he's in this documentary, but it, it's nothing. It's nothing new. It's uh-huh. nothing uh, revolutionary or informative. And... You know, they do a nice bit about Jeremy Bullock, but they don't mention uh, the original voice of Boba. Oh, okay. They don't mention kind of the special edition additions. But it, so it's just that's, that's kind of naff. And then, yeah, they show Obi-Wan. <laughs> I think, like, what is the state of Star Wars that they can't advertise multiple of their projects at once? Yeah. Like, does, does Boba have to be, like, their only thing? Well, yeah, um, so it was the same thing when uh, The Last Jedi and Solo was going on at like similar time they couldn't advertise solo because last jedi was coming up and then they fucked themselves because of it yeah like solo's first trailer came out in like february like after the last jedi (laughs) it came out like a month later and so that film did like no one even knew it was really coming it was kind of around the same time as infinity war it was just a a mess and and they're still doing that like it's like oh we won't we can't do boba until visions is out okay now boba's out we can't advertise andor or solo it's like oh just you know they showed a bit of moon knight for marvel yeah right moon knight wrapped filming about two months after andor wrapped filming andor is done in the filming thing so they were able to they were able to show what they had of moon knight because they've done that much they're in that much that stage of post-production and they are two months behind the star wars show that they are also working on and we've still seen so little from it I don't think we've not seen any footage of Andor, have we? We, we there was a little I, reel in Invested. I haven't last even year. seen screenshots of it. Also, interestingly, because they they did that tweet kind of building up like Disney Plus Day, yeah. and at the end of Disney Plus Day, they do like a thing of like kind of showing all the projects they've spoken about all going into this one big collage yeah. of of things. And in this were Bad Batch season two and or and Book of Boba Fett, which are three projects that they have actually not spoken about <laughs> at all all Disney Plus Day. And it makes you wonder, like, was there other stuff that they shelved yeah. because they were too scared of promoting multiple projects? And it's just... I've seen some people like, oh, don't get, don't be so entitled, don't be do that. It's like, I feel like I'm going to be watching this stuff, whatever. Yeah, I don't care they're just about shooting training. themselves in the foot by doing nothing. Yeah, I would like Star Wars to be successful yeah. and popular and, and enjoyed. And I feel like advertising Boba Fett like one month before it comes out is a bit rough but Eternals the director of the Eternals uh Chloe Zhao or or Chloe Zhao I think it's actually pronounced Zhao Um, would be yeah yeah there were rumblings of her directing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie that he's producing that is uh being you know produced by him and written by uh Michael Waldron from from Loki um I I think that is true (laughs) um oh and there were rumors that she was tied to that and then now it's it seems to be that she's not. So what we have um, learned is that she either is or isn't or directing isn't. a Star Wars mm. movie. Um, Interesting. And so that would be exciting if it were true. I've seen some people frame it as like, because of the failure of Eternal, she's been fired. And it's like, we, we, we didn't know that she was ever involved. Like, I feel like if she's not involved, she never was. Um, yeah. And because it, like, it was just within like two days. The, the kind of announcement and then the kind of, oh, not announcement, but the, the initial rumours and then yeah. the, the follow-up hesitation. Um, but I think that would be really great because I um, I was on a podcast, What the Force, and uh, we spoke about like potential storytellers who we think would do a good job with Star Wars. And I did, I did yeah. mention her because she spoke about how she would be willing to <laughs> make a Star Wars movie. And that would be great if it was true. <laughs> it may not be. <laughs> Um, who knows? You haven't seen Eternals yet, have you? No, I haven't. I need to. I haven't seen Venom either. Oh. I need to see both of them. Do a double bill. Yeah, I should do. I did a double bill of Dune and then Venom, and or Venom 2, and Dune is like this lovely, slow... You've seen... Have you seen Dune? I have seen Dune, yeah. yeah. That's this, so good. It's a lovely... It's You know, it's it's 
I mean, in the best way, it's like boring. Like nothing happens. Like you're just kind of in, engulfed <laughs> in, in this the world. The best kind of yeah. nothing happens. And you know, it's such a slow burn, and it's so wonderful. Yeah. And and you know, nothing just happens for the sake of it. You kind of it really yeah. takes you through this journey. And then like directly after, I went in to see Venom. Let there be carnage. And it's like an hour and a half of just like non-stop just nonsense <laughs> just bashing <laughs> and crashing and the eddie uh the 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 venom voice that tom hardy does is just so ridiculously over the top in this film and i don't remember <laughs> it being that silly in venom one i remember yeah. him being like he occasionally had the funny line like oh i'm kind of a loser back on my own planet but oh, like yeah. In this one, it's just constant nonsense. And it's, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's awful. It is probably one of the worst films I've ever seen because it is. Really? It is, there are, I don't think there are any kind of qualities that I can look at and be like, yeah, they did that well. But at the same time, I saw it with a couple of friends and we were just laughing the whole way through. And I don't think the rest of the cinema were getting that level of ironic enjoyment. Maybe right. they were kind of going, oh, actually, yes, Woody Harrelson's quite, uh, quite a talented <laughs> performer in the role of. Uh, uh, whatever his name is uh, red venom uh, cletus cassidy carnage cassidy he though carnage is kind of in the title venom let there be cletus <laughs> they should have named it that um so that was uh, just that wonderful uh double bill of one of the best films i've seen in a very long time yeah uh, and one of the funniest bad films i've seen in a long time <laughs> so yeah i guess moving on from star wars uh just talk about things we watched recently i've already mentioned venom Dune's good, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's so good. I saw um, loads of people were talking on Twitter after I saw the film, and they were saying how boring it was, how nothing was happening, but I was never bored No, during the film. I always felt like there's something going on in every scene. There's Every scene is important, and there's always something going on. There's no nothing scenes. No. There's... So there's always something to pay attention to, and there's always something going on. And there's just so much world building. It's a massive world. Like there's eight books, and this is like the first half of the first one. It's built up so much, and it's just so good. It's just so interesting. I just love it. Even though it's so slow, and they they have the time to spell things out, they don't. They will give you like some crucial information in like a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. So you really kind of have to always 100%. be paying attention. And I like that it. It, it treats the audience with the kind of respect to be like, they will know, they will be able to follow Absolutely. what's going on. And, you know, they don't spell everything out. They don't kind of reiterate every point on the kind of political uh, dynamic of the kind of different houses yeah. and planets. I was, I, I was really impressed by it. I saw it in IMAX. It was basically before Eternals came out. It was quite soon uh, before Eternals came out. And I knew that like, if I couldn't see it in IMAX then, I wouldn't because Eternals was going to come along and kick it out. <laughs> and um, yeah. I was yeah really excited to to see it and I was on the train on my way up uh, and I was like oh yeah now I'll get there in good time and uh, yeah a tree blew onto the train track so we had oh. to reverse back <laughs> and I got a very expensive uber just so I could oh, make it to the, to the cinema in time because uh, I was like oh if I miss if I miss June then if I I'll do a later if I do a later showing then I'll miss Venom yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but June in IMAX in in that Southampton IMAX oh it's gorgeous I imagine it's fantastic yummy yummy to look at and sound something I found quite fun about dune was that there is one joke in the entire film and it's right at the start and there's nothing else What's the which joke? is amazing it's the um it's the oscar isaac tells josh brolin to smile oh, and then like, josh I, am says, I am smiling and he's like grimacing you're forgetting joke number two from oh, uh, the the raddest dude on the planet, um, Duncan Idaho, um, oh, when yeah. he's like, "Oh, have you put on some muscle?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's yeah. like, "Oh, what have I?" He's like, uh, my no, bad. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's so cool. I loved he I loved cool. Jason Momoa. I, I can't believe. I, I think I used to be a bit grumpy about him because I was kind of on a very kind of anti. DC, you know, yeah. cringe, just kind of like, oh, the Snyder's, oh, we're, we're boring. Yeah. And but now I'm just like, what a what a cool guy, <laughs> you he know, is a cool guy. But I quite like that because like you see like the Marvel films all the time, and every other line's a joke and stuff. Yeah. And it wears a bit thin quite quickly. And it was just really nice to have an actual a film that takes itself seriously the whole way through. 
it, but it wasn't dry. It wasn't, you know, there was not um, sometimes when characters dry. Uh, <laughs> it actually was quite dry. Um, <laughs> no, it, but it, you know, it, sometimes when characters are humorless, they are also lifeless. And yeah. I think maybe not the easiest way, but quite a common way of making us engage with characters t- is to make them like likable and funny. And yeah. I think they did a really clever job of making us you know, not necessarily root for these characters, but care about them At and be engaged with them, yeah. despite the fact they weren't making us laugh every five minutes. And yeah. I think that's pretty good. It's probably, you know, like that meme that's like, uh, I'm getting real Boss Baby vibes from this guy that's seen one one movie. He's <laughs> only seen, seen Boss Baby. Boss He's like, yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking a lot about Dune when I saw Eternals because they are similarly long. I think they're about the same length. Uh, similarly, okay. like loads of characters. Um, yes. And I think that a lot of the things June does right, uh, Eternals doesn't do as right. Um, okay. I think uh, I care less about most of the characters, although they are memorable. There is a lot going on, uh, but it's, I think, a little bit harder to care about. I, I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see what you think of it when you see it. But it's, yeah, um, I'll let you know. it's a lot. And I think maybe a bit like today's episode of Doctor Who, it's like, some bits are like good enough that you don't really care about the bits you don't because you forget them immediately. Yeah. Um, because I, I like I like the main characters in in Eternals and I like some of the supporting characters. Druig, uh, I don't know if you've seen those posters where they've just got the characters and their names and they all look like shit posts. Um, <laughs> uh, but but Druig is really cool and so is uh, Makari, who has super speed. And I, she's the red one, right? The red one, yeah, the red Power Ranger. I didn't know we were going to get a super speed character in Eternals, uh. and I, as soon as she was going really fast, I was like, oh great <laughs> i love super speed and um people have spoken about i don't know someone made a really good video essay about like the the way that people show speed in films now is to slow everything down <laughs> that like yeah. since days of future past like to show that someone is fast they run in oh, slow yeah. motion because everyone just loves the scene with time in a bottle is playing yeah, in the background exactly. he's just having fun but now in order to show that someone is fast they run really really slowly but everyone else is even slower but um <laughs> this this film does super speed just by making them really fast, which oh, is good. nice. Uh, it's a it's a really refreshing change. So I think so that's really cool. You experience it from everyone else's perspective and not um, the speedsters' perspective. Maybe. Um, kind of I think it may be a bit of a mixture. But when it is their perspective, um, it, it, I think you just see the background behind her going like really quickly, and mm. it's uh, a bit like maybe some of those quicksilver scenes. Eternals. It's a mixed bag because there is so much in the bag. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot. In a lot of things where there is so much, you can kind of pick out the good and remember mm. the good and be like, okay, I hope the MCU runs with these elements. And I yeah. hope that, you know, we see kind of this thing going forward and that this character isn't dropped. Um, and, you know, you don't have to really be fully on board with everything because, you know, there's enough there that you can be on board with. Uh, yeah. But I'll, I'll be interested to see how you feel about it. I think... Um, a bit like Dune, there is a risk of being bored because there are some kind of slower scenes. And yeah. uh, I think Dune does a better job of in those slower scenes not making you bored. But, yeah. uh, you know, you know, there's, there's, there's enough going on. I mean, the idea that it's the worst MCU film is absurd. Like, it is, I mean... at worst, it is like positive, like, you know, pretty good. Like... Um, make, you know, six out of ten is where, where I would give it if, if I was being really mean. Um, but like, there are Marvel movies that I never want to watch again because I was just so, so unimpressed. <laughs> and Eternals is not one of them. So, what else is is there to talk about in this recent releases section of the podcast? <laughs> Have you been watching, reading, reading anything? Um, not really. Oh, I thought you're going to be upset with me. I saw a Jake Gyllenhaal uh, movie. What? I know, traitor. That's not good. Um, no, I watched The Guilty. What's that? It's a Netflix show. It's literally just him in an office. Um, he's a cop who's on the phones. He's Bastard. just taking calls. Bastard. I know, what a prick. Is he, he guilty? Looking after his girlfriend. <laughs> he is guilty. He's guilty of dropping Taylor's hand. <laughs> At Sorry, the dinner party. Go, go ahead. Sorry, I feel like no. I feel like you you need to talk about something. No, no. Talk about your <laughs> stupid show. That's fine. It's not a show. It's a film. You can gaslight me. That's <laughs> typical. Are you are you gaslighting me? 
No, no, no. <laughs> Typical Gyllenhaal fan. That's fine. Go ahead. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, they would spin it that way, wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it was a pretty good film. I really liked it. They, um, it's really intimate. So there's only like five characters. That must be rare for him. Sorry, no. Um, go ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Thanks. I like that. Yeah, a lot. yeah no, I've, I've been preparing that one for ages. I was just waiting for you to say it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's a great film. Little, uh, little uh, indie Netflix film. It's not. Um, <laughs> it's a good film, though. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'll be sure to not check it out, but uh, thanks for the That's recommendation. Fine. When you was when you were speaking earlier about uh, never watching a MCU film again, was Spider Man Far From Home one of those? Because no. Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. I love Spider Man Far From Home because uh, he dies at the end. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy to watch things where Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of manipulative to a, to a young character like Tom Holland. Because it's realistic to, uh, of to who he is in real life. Sadie Sink playing Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> Can we talk about the All Too Well short film? Yes, we can talk about the All Too Well short film. What is there to talk about? Uh, It's it's, Uh, uh, a music video slash short film because like, I mean, it's basically like just music video to the Taylor Swift song. One scene in the middle, uh, (laughs) um, like of actual like dialogue and then back to the song. Um, (laughs) But I think it's really good. I think it it um, is really good too. She directed it. Um, she, she did. She wrote it. It's like, yeah, I mean, she wrote the song. Um, <laughs> I heard someone say that the argument in the middle was improvised, but I say, I, I, I see people I mean, say that about everything. Like, whenever yeah. two characters are believable, everyone's like, no, they just made that up. No, no, they just did that. Off the <laughs> so it might be true, it might not be. You um, can't write that. <laughs> there are comparisons to Marriage Story. And uh, it's funny, I've seen people be grumpy both sides. It's like, uh, I've seen Taylor Swift fans be like, uh, Marriage Story wishes it was this good. And then like, (laughs) oh, stupid Swifties with your ego. It's not that serious. Let's all all have jokes. Um, You may be surprised to find out that I follow some... uh, uh, Adam Driver Stan accounts who who no took that way. kind of <laughs> took that kind of claim that <laughs> Dylan O'Brien was better than Adam Driver. They took that a bit personally. <laughs> um, so I I am a Swifty and a and a, I don't know what an Adam Driver Stan is, uh, but I'm I'm both. So I feel like a traitor if I say that it's good. But no, the, the short film's really good and the song is really good. The ten minute version. The, of the song's song. great. I was. Um... I was really surprised with the song because I had no idea what it was going to be going into it because I thought, is it just going to be original Autowell twice um, <laughs> kind of thing? But um, no, it was, it's really great because like you think of like average pop songs, you think verse one, verse two, you've got the chorus and then you've got verse three and verse three is where they um, take it down a bit and then uh, they go back to the chorus and it's all upbeat again. But with Autowell, it's like the chorus changes as well, even yeah, throughout the song. Absolutely. Everything constantly changes and it's always new. There isn't like a repeated line except all too well, <laughs> surprisingly, in the song. And it's fantastic. It's really good. I was really, I mean, pleasantly surprised because, you know, she's spoken about this 10 minute version of All Too Well since the release yeah. of Red, the original Red. Ages ago, yeah. I mean, there were uh, kind of discussions about whether she had it all written then or if she's maybe added a few yeah. bits to actually make it 10 minutes. Um, yeah. But either way, like she, um, it's not just kind of the same verse, like even like the the tune, it's not even the same kind of structure over yeah. and over again. I thought when she mentioned it, I was just like, oh, is that just going to be a bit repetitive of like that verse kind of drumming into yeah. your head, like the verse one, but just rewritten over and over again. Uh, exactly. Kind yeah. of as soon as it starts deviating from what we know, it, it's like a completely different tune it's a completely different part and then they yeah. she weaves in it's not kind of like what we know as a song and then an extra bit it breaks up all the stuff we know with new bits and uh, i saw a video of her performing it um at like a at the launch event and yeah. you know the audience are singing along and then they go on to what would be the next line in the normal well, yeah. version and uh, taylor's doing <laughs> the uh, the actual new lyrics and uh no it was just I, i've been really impressed by the, the whole album to be honest uh, this is mm. uh Red Taylor's version for all those who aren't aren't aware. Yeah, um, it's like got thirty songs. It's like two hours and ten minutes. Like that's so many songs. Yeah, uh, for an album, and I uh, I listened to it all when it came out. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's all I did on Friday was uh, work my way through that and look at Disney <laughs> Plus Day News. That was a worthy use of my time. <laughs> and um, but no, there's 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 so much that's uh, that's really good. Like there are 
I don't know how many new songs. I should have checked this, but I like them all in for varying levels. That, or the like, from the vault. Yeah, ones, ones that she wrote at the time and you know recorded now. Um, There's nine from the vault, and they're nine from the vault. Uh, is that including yeah. ten minutes of? That's including well? ten minutes. Yeah. Right. There's the one she did with Phoebe Bridges, which is fantastic. And yeah. Their voices are so nice together, and it's so good. Mm. There's another one she did with Ed Sheeran, um, which mm. is fun. Run. Um, and there is. What's the one that sounds like Billy Joel? Oh, which one is that? It's, it's the one that's really country. Uh, is it I Bet You Think of Me? Uh, I Bet You Think oh, About Me. Be, yeah. um, and this was a song that I thought sounded like Piano Man by Billy Joel at the start yeah. while she was singing. <laughs> and then the harmonica comes in. And I'm like, oh, well, now it seems like I'm making a very superficial comparison. <laughs> um, but it, it does. It, um, but that's getting a music video tomorrow directed by Blake Lively. Is it? Um, oh, that's the one that she's yeah, doing? Uh, I think so. Uh, she did the video kind of announcing it and there was a harmonica yeah. playing. And it's I was like, like a... I think that's the harmonica from that one. Oh, okay, I only saw like there's a big cake and someone takes a chunk out of it. A chunk. Um, a chunk. <laughs> oh, I don't like that they ruined that cake. Someone could have eaten that. Oh, that was sad. Um, well, it was already ruined. It had like claw marks in it. What do you reckon? It was it was Wolverine. <laughs> it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, that bastard! He would do that. Yeah. He... <laughs> no, you're right. That's really in character. Um, um... <laughs> Doesn't show up to her 21st birthday party. Comes along and ruins her next birthday party with his claws on her cake. <laughs> Destroys the cake. <laughs> um, so I think all the uh, the Taylor's versions of the original songs are really good. Uh, there is yeah. one bit I don't like, and it is the We Are Never Getting ba- Never Ever Getting Back Together. Um, oh, when she goes crazy. When she goes, Wee! Um, <laughs> there is a really high-pitched we in that song that is it's in the chorus so it's literally every every, every time, few seconds yeah. um and it's uh i i don't get it and it's the one thing people are talking about with that song um <laughs> that it's like oh this is gonna be jarring because i mean the idea now is that you know she now has ownership of these songs and that's the yes. ones that people listen to and stream from now on and I'm happy to do this. I think most of them are improvements. Um, but the one yeah, thing 100%. is like, whenever I listen to We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, it's going to be a little bit more jarring than it used to be. But um, mm. I mean, I'm happy because uh, I'm going to be turning 22 relatively soon. That's true. And I get to listen to uh, Taylor's version. Whereas, you know, all those idiots that have come before me and celebrated their 22nd birthdays with, like with me. the song. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> You had to listen to the crap version, so... Uh, yeah, Sad that. Take that. Um, well, when it was my 22nd birthday, that was the good version, okay? Well, listen, you know, you're kind of stealing money from her there by streaming the version she didn't own, so... Oh, uh, I'm personally stealing <laughs> money from her I know. streaming the wrong version. Does that not mean if you stream that, do they not send you all the profits? Is that... <laughs> am am yeah. I getting confused? Oh, it's definitely uh, how... Big, that's how Big Machine Records always does their stuff. Oh, you even know their name. Typical. <laughs> Sounds like someone on the payroll, if you ask me. Um, oh. um, is there anything else <laughs> we have to talk drop about? It. <laughs> because they really needed this. This podcast, podcast is brought to, to you by Big Machine Records. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else to talk about? I'd like to um, apologize to all my non Taylor Swift fans for the Taylor Swift diversion there. However, right. Uh, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Yeah, listen to it become one like it's not that hard <laughs> the only thing you have to do to become a taylor swift fan is have a sister that plays folklore all the way through 2020 and you become one like that's just how it works <clears throat> so what happened with you no no i just made it up uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i um i mean i, I liked the, the kind of more popular ones from red and uh yeah. we listened to 90, 1989 a lot as well but i think it was only 2020 that i was like wow Taylor Swift is good. And uh, so this, dear listener, this could be you too. You could be getting in on this conversation. You could be here with us. Go away. All right. Listen to all of her albums. <laughs> like this video first. Um, or if it's a podcast, send it to everyone you know. Go back. Listen through to all her albums. Taylor's version only, please, uh, if it's available. And uh, come back. Re-listen to this. And you will agree with me on everything. And uh, you'll actually, I think you'll find Tom a little bit more annoying. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> that's a trade-off I'm because, willing to take. Because, uh, because of the Jake Gyllenhaal stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, your ties to Big Machine Records, <laughs> your Jake Gyllenhaal fandom, it's not appropriate, is it, Tom? It's, it's just an indictment on my awful, toxic masculinity. I think, you know, 
yeah, you've got performative feminism going on. You've got really kind of fragile stuff going on with, yeah. Now, to be honest, get off my podcast right now. Oh, let's see. Yeah. If I, I'm, I'm getting gonna, a new one. Yeah, uh, that's good. I might that's find a, a Hushuba that can host with me, someone who knows a bit more what they're talking about. Because I made yeah. a mission to the unknown reference earlier, and I knew you hadn't seen that story. I knew yeah, you I hadn't. hadn't. Yeah. Well, you, you don't need to call me out in front of everyone else. Listen, have you seen end. Dalek Master Plan? No, you haven't. Uh, yeah. I, I think I have seen that one, actually. What, it's a reconstruction? You've, watched, you've sat through all those? No, I watched the original when it aired, mate. You, t- you turned 22 and listened to the original 22, <laughs> but you were also there <laughs> yeah. in 1965. <laughs> of course I was. This doesn't add up. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is just getting silly. This is getting silly, Tom. All right, we need to this end this podcast. We need to get, yes. I'm going to address the audience now, if anyone is still here. Okay. If you are still here, please let us know in the comments or tweet me. Um, how do you feel about Doctor Who Flux so far? How do you feel about Eternals? Dune, <laughs> Venom 2. Red Taylor's version, Disney Plus Day, the Boba Fett trailer, Tom's fragile masculinity. <laughs> and do you love Jake Gyllenhaal as much as oh, I do? You're off the podcast, mate. <laughs> Say goodbye, because like literally this is the last time you'll... Ah, uh... uh, okay. Goodbye, everyone. It's been a good run. Lo- love you lots. <laughs> you bastard. That's mine. That's how you sound. That's, that's, how that's you not sound. how I sound. No, I'm not happy. I'm not happy one bit. No. Um, check me out on... I mean, you, if you're listening to this, you follow me on YouTube. So um, if you're listening on YouTube <laughs> to Diving Into Why, like it, subscribe, send it to someone. Uh, again, comment, because it's it's nice to know that people are listening, because I've been told by people that they did listen, but I had no indication of that in the comments. Um, <laughs> follow me on Twitter. I'm, I'm really funny on Twitter, aren't I, Tom? Oh, he's so... Oh, <laughs> you'll only want to block him after the fifth week. That's just mean. You know, I work really hard on like cultivating a kind of healthy, active Twitter account. Well, just being casually cruel in the name of being honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's all coming together now. Hang on a second. And this is like a Scooby-Doo moment where I rip your mask off. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal all along. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, I've got to end this podcast or I will. um, I'll never come back. Just keep going forever and ever. Forever and ever and always. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Tom. God bless. Oh, Sleep tight. Love you lots. The, the, the bed bugs bike. <laughs>